You're listening to the Blake Debris Explorer Podcast. This is episode number seven. My name is Blake Longfell. I'm here with my brew crew, Eric Bercher and Noah Jones. How are we doing today, fellas? Really great. Always happy to be street side at street side. Having a great day. <clears throat> Sunday morning, coughing a little bit, but good to go. Well, Eric kind of gave it away. I'm thrilled to announce that we are with Street Side Brewery and managing brewer and owner Garrett Hickey. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I think the first time I heard of Street Side was you did a collaboration with Aomatic and up in Huber, and I yeah we did be- that winter of 21. It was like our first post, post well not post COVID but uh, COVID uh, in person collaboration. I believe yeah we did hell as other people. Yeah, that which tells is- you what our mind state was during that time. Uh, I think rumor the rumor mill in Cincinnati is that Joey Burrow lives in t- uh, this area. Does he does. He come here? Yeah, he he's not come here, but we we do see him around the neighborhood. I believe he's moving here soon. So at oh, least uh, according to the the other rumor mill. But yeah, we uh, we have a couple we have a couple athletes scattered around. Did you the neighborhood. see Taylor Swift too? I did not see Taylor Swift. Uh, I don't know if he saw Taylor Swift. I don't know if he was there. Uh, yeah, they, well, uh, he said that he wasn't a big fan, yeah, but that yeah. he might come because it looks cool. It, so it, it would be look really cool. nice, I think, cool, to have sure. that kind of money. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So did you guys get a lot of good pull out of the Taylor Swift concert? Yeah. Um, we were actually out of town. Uh, we were at a family wedding, so I didn't really – I wasn't really checking the cameras on that day. Uh, but I think, I think it was pretty good. Uh, I think we got a lot of Swift dads – the before the concert i believe is the was the general consensus that's great man that's awesome i think that uh i read a, i watched a video on instagram today about how there's like this whole potential that taylor swift and her her what is it the new era's tour mm. might save the united states from a recession with <laughs> the amount of money that she generates per city that she yeah, goes to for sure i'm very interested in seeing like what the report on is for i, I the, think they just released i think it was about the uh i think wcpo or wlwt yeah. i believe had the article i think it was around the around the estimates that they that they said that it would be so i can't remember what that number was right but yeah, it was, sure it yeah, was close to it. Well, we had, like, what, was it four events? Like, the Reds? Yeah, it was wild. FC. I yeah. think there was another concert of someone that I don't know, yep. and then Taylor Swift came, yep. and it was, like, a perfect weekend. Yeah. And, like, you know, there was no there was no big disaster, at least yeah, that I read sure. or anything. So yeah. I, w- I was very proud to be a Cincinnatian when that when that weekend came yeah, by. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, I guess the next one, the next weekend that's going to be roughly like that, I think is uh, the f- second or third weekend of September. I believe it's Bengals, Reds. Bengals, Reds, FC, and Oktoberfest. And I think Oklahoma's coming in that. Oh, same that's, time that's too. that was it. it wasn't oh, yeah. it wasn't Oktoberfest? It was UC's playing Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. Oh, fun! It's a big, big yeah. sports weekend. Yeah, that'll sure. be awesome. I yep. my dad's a huge Oklahoma Sooners fan because my sister went there. Nice. So I might have to that's, buy tickets. Yeah. Let's talk about how you got into craft beer and what made you get into it. Sure. Your so story. I started. Uh, I was a home brewer like a lot of people. Um, I uh, was working for a minor league baseball team in Erie, Pennsylvania called the Sea Wolves. And during the off season, I, I didn't have a whole lot to do because obviously the season's very busy. Off season isn't quite as busy. Uh, so I had a lot of time on my hands. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to Erie, Pennsylvania, but there's not a lot going on there either. So um, I started home brewing. Thought I was pretty good at it, which I wasn't. But I kind of went from there and brewed, brewed, brewed. And my parents kind of came to me with an idea. We'd been uh, batting around the idea of opening a bar in the in the neighborhood anyway. 
And I said, well, if we're going to open a bar, why don't, why don't we open a brewery? Because I'm making this beer and it's good and whatever. We should, we should open, open our, our own brewery, uh, save some money on beer costs. Uh, and little did I know it's not that easy. So uh, I quit my job. I put in my two weeks notice. Like It was the last weekend of June in 2014, I think. Uh, maybe 2013. I don't remember at that at this point. Um, put in my put in my two week notice. Left. Came came back to Cincinnati and really didn't really have like much of a direction. Um, I started. I got a volunteer position at Mad Tree. I was on the packaging line, putting uh, pack techs on the cans. I was working at night at Cock and Bowl when it was open in High Park Square, and then kind of did that for a while, uh, about six months, and then I started kind of looking for a for a a school where I could learn practical brewing. Uh, at that time, there weren't a whole lot of schools in the U.S. that offered that. Um, there was Siebel up in Chicago, but uh, you had to do like a whole like very, very extensive program to get to um, the point where they let you go to Germany to go to their uh, practical program. Um, so I was looking, um, and basically the best option was in England, or at least the best option I could find was in England. Uh, so I went to a school called Brew Lab in uh, Sunderland, England. Was there for three to four months. It was a uh, kind of a uh, extremely intensive uh, associate's degree over there. Uh, so I have a we packed a year, a year and a half worth of school into four months. So we were going to class every day, uh, 8:30 to 5:30 ish, maybe even later, depending on what we were doing. Um, we would do uh, practical brewing one day at a local brewery. We would do practical brewing in the in their brewery um, during the day. We had uh, homebrew kits basically where they allowed us to like develop our own recipes. We'd brew it, we'd ferment it, um, and then we would go and um, package it, all that stuff. And then uh, so I was over there for a little bit um, and kind of lost my train of thought no, there. No, no worries. This is uh, it's not it's not as long as some people's journey to opening a brewery, but it's it's now it's been so long that I kind of lose lose my train of thought sometimes when I'm talking about. It. So I was over there, uh, came back, have a, a degree in British brewing technology, and then that's sick. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Yeah, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot over here, but it means it means uh, significantly more over there. I believe if I. I would have to go and get recertified if I were to move back there, which obviously isn't happening. So, um, came back, uh, applied for a couple of jobs, got a job at Rivertown um, in Lachlan when it was open there, and worked there on the packaging line, uh, cellaring and brewing. Worked there for about a year, and then uh, left there and opened here. Was it uh, maybe not culture shock because you're from America, but but was it sort of? I'm assuming I don't know a lot about English beer, sure. But uh, like, I'm assuming that they're not as insane with the different types of varieties that we have. So we, the school was very international. So we had two Brazilians, okay. two South Koreans, uh, three Americans, two Canadians, one English guy, a girl from Greece. I feel like we had one more person that I can't remember, which apologies to that person if they, if they listen. <laughs> oh, they'll uh, listen. Yeah. They, uh, but so it was, uh, we, there was, yes, the cultural, sh- culture shock was real. We had, I mean, it was, it's interesting living with a bunch of people that are from all over the world. Uh, but, uh, 
we uh, most people there were interested in craft beer that was like american style craft beer i should say and we were really focused on um trying to develop recipes that would make sense all over not just the uk and the uk really is coming along with uh american style craft beer oh okay um, i didn't know yeah that. no didn't... it is it's yeah you think of like uh cask style exactly beer, uh, yeah and really when you go over there uh, the dominant style really is lager, okay. uh, like a, a Euro style lager, um, like a, you think like a Heineken right. um, is, a, is a huge style over there uh, or a huge brand over there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you go to your you go to your English pubs, you go to like a, a pub owned by Sam Smith, which there's, I think, maybe multi hundreds to thousands of pubs owned by Sam Smith. And yeah, they have their cask style, but they also the have the singer some, or someone else. Uh, it's a Sam Smith brewery, so it's oh, a, okay. yeah, it's, it's a super, super old brewery. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they, um, they own. Not the Fisher then. Yeah, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird system over there. They don't have the, the distributors. Breweries can own pubs. Gotcha. So uh, they push their own beer into their own pubs. But yeah, if you go to that, very traditional, but it is like lots of lagers, lots of cider. Uh, but they have, they do have uh, quite a few um, American style craft breweries and that's where you, you get your uh, brew dog and places like that gotcha when you, so when you were there being an american were people really interested in your perspective of what the, be the beer culture was over here no not really no okay. <laughs> no, no most of the uh i think everyone honestly because i wasn't really a i hadn't brewed we had a guy who worked at worthy brewing in bend oregon uh when i was there people were pretty interested in him most of most of the guys there uh had been in the industry a okay. little bit so it wasn't so much that there's only a couple people that had done any work uh so it was a lot of professional a lot of people that were already professionals or like ju maybe just gotten into the industry or had been in the industry for a couple of years so like mostly everyone was fairly secure in their knowledge um the professors over there were very not interested in any of the beers we had to do. They were very much, they liked their cider. They liked their, um, we're, Sunderland's very close to Newcastle. And our professor was uh, the head of production for the Newcastle, uh, Newcastle Brown Ale oh, yeah. in Newcastle. So he, he hated it, almost everything we made. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody made a beer that they enjoyed. I know also that's that's a huge rivalry Newcastle. It was a huge rivalry for a while and now they uh now they're not so much because Sunderland is not good and Newcastle is. So that's really cool. Have you thought about like trying Cascale and maybe like educating people on it? I I have a friend who brews at Laxton Hollow in okay. Lexington, Ohio. Yeah. And it's like to my knowledge at least like less than 12 cask breweries in the united states so i'm just wondering if like you've ever thought about it or we talked about it it's kind of like it's more of a pain than it is um than it is like yeah and most people don't care if there was a if there was a uh, a significant english like english specific crowd in cincinnati uh, I like feel a like, soccer bar or something yeah like yeah. it might be it might do it might do better but it's it's one of those things where uh people in Cincinnati still identify with their German roots more than they identify sure. with anything else. So if you don't have that crowd there to buy it, then it's not, it's not super worth it. I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to do and I would like to do it, but it's, it's, we gotta, we already have enough going on that sure. putting a cask on our, on our list of things to do is probably is pretty low on my, of course, of course. Well, I think we're all starting to get a little thirsty. Which one would you want to start with? 
Uh, let's just go... Um, I'm trying to think. Technically, we should probably go stout to the rest. Um, so Why let's is that? Go. Just because those... Once we start, uh, if we start with the Sofa King, which is the India Red Ale, it'll probably wipe your palate out pretty good. Mm. Um, it's a little bit more bitter than, it's more bitter than most beers that we make. Uh, so if we go stout to sour to New England to, um, I didn't actually do that on purpose. It just kind of was what I was trying to trying to showcase a little bit of everything. Gotcha, uh, cool. So it, it works out. We'll just go the opposite way I intended you guys to start with. Cool. Uh, so, so we'll go with um, 16... Tap 16, which is uh, Coconut Latte Speak of the Devil. Uh, we just released it recently. It's 12.5% uh, Imperial Pastry Stout with Moster Coffee, Toasted Coconut, a bunch of coconut, uh, not just Toasted Coconut, uh, a little bit of vanilla. Um, we Great. sent a lot of this off to Tavor. I'm sure as people who have Tavor have seen, but we still have some cans in the tap room. It's it's a. It's obviously it's one of our more popular. We do a whole day. It's uh, delicious. Based around the, the barrel age, but uh, this is a. This is probably our most or second most popular stout. Cool. So uh, talk to us a little bit about like, what what tell us what Tavor is. Uh, Tavor is direct consumer uh, uh, shipping. I guess a. You go online and you. Um, they have it's not legal in all states which is why like some people don't see it gotcha. um, it's a i think it's legal in kentucky so if you live in kentucky you can see it but you can go on you can order uh beers from all all across the u.s they have a ton of different uh a ton of different breweries and uh, we started shipping with them a couple couple years ago and they they take almost exclusively stouts from us so uh sometimes that's people do complain a little bit that they we don't bring have all the stouts in in the tap room but for the most part we we try to do like a, a 50 50 split between beer we send it to vor stouts that we send it to vor stouts that we we keep here we don't really send them anything barrel aged. so like the cincinnati market our neighborhood market is getting all the beers that we want them to get that's cool i didn't know that existed yeah what a fun opportunity yeah, for a, people who yeah, love all beer the different pastry stouts you guys do <sighs> so i would say like most of our stouts now are pastry stouts with the exception of like we now have like a robust porter on on tap, um, but like Demogorgon didn't use to, didn't start as a pastry stout. It's kind of evolved into a pastry stout. Um, we do Infinite Possibilities, which is our like our lactose forward one. We've got Speak of the Devil. We've got uh, Demogorgon, but that's Demogorgon's obviously only barrels. We release that every year around Halloween. Um, we've got. Um, a couple collabs that we do that's been a, we did one with more that'll be coming out here soon um we've got a new stout uh from our head brewer victor who came over from more actually that is uh that's going into apple maple syrup apple brandy barrels here in the next couple weeks uh we'll see how that that'll be released next year around probably around now maybe closer to our anniversary um, so we've got a we've got a wide range of them, um, but the biggest ones that we focus on. Are so speak. what really goes into a pastry stout? Is it what I think it is, or it's mostly just like high adjuncts, lots of adjuncts and high high ABV. Um, try to get that that thick body on it um, and uh, make it sweet. I mean that's that's really it. As long as it tastes like tastes like candy, it, you can call it a pastry stout. 
you think that goes with the sweetness people like around here and that yeah i mean i think it's kind of just like one of those things where uh the the palate of all americans not just people here has changed uh people like their sweet there's there's sweet things that like people our age have grown up with drinking pop uh, and it's one of those things where everyone's palate's kind of changed towards the sweeter side. I don't know if you guys have seen, um, like, Alani is a fairly new energy drink, but, like, if you look at those, they're all candy-flavored. Or, like, if you see, like, the C4, it's got, like, the, the Skittles and all that stuff. The so Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, yeah, Sour Patch Kids, for sure. It's, it's one of those things where people grew up eating a lot of candy and drinking a lot of pop, and you get, uh, that's, it changes your palates, palates fairly permanently, and, uh, there is starting to be a, like a shift towards more traditional styles um, or lagers. Like it's kind of like a, the dichotomy of the beer industry where we've got uh, people skewing towards pastry stouts and we've got people skewing back towards lagers and traditional styles that you wouldn't expect people would be interested in. But sometimes that being like a generational thing. Uh, kind of. I okay. also think it's it's kind of depends on when you start drinking craft beer. If you just recently started to get into it. Uh, I think the sweeter stuff is definitely appealing, as we'll see when we get to the next beer, which is our Skittle Sour. Mm. Uh, that's a that's a beer that people uh, everybody likes, but it's I mean, if you like your sugary drinks, that's a that's a sugary drink. Uh, but I think it's kind of like if you've been drinking craft beer for ten years, if you got in like right after college, depending on whatever uh, what where you went to school and where when you were exposed to it and all that maybe you're you're getting sick of sweeter beers and you're getting more into traditional styles rediscovering uh lager uh drinking hefeweizen whatever whatever it may be what is your favorite style of beer uh lager lager <laughs> yeah okay. is that like, from your from your time in england or no i would say that's kind of just like i my palate has been worn down by years of drinking sweet beer um, gotcha <laughs> I was I w- like when he- or when, excuse me not with Hefeweizen definitely not I don't like Hefeweizen I don't know why I said that okay. uh, when New England's were first really coming out and uh, it was it was like the go-to style for every brewery which is it still kind of is obviously like that's what I put in our in our flight uh, but when it was really like when it was ten breweries in the, around the country that were doing really really well was when I was I was really into it and I, I tried to explore that style as much as possible I kind of like burnt myself out on it I still drink them every once in a while uh, especially when I'm at somebody else's brewery uh, but it's it's definitely one of those things where I would rather go and, and try like a well-made lager it's honestly how I judge a lot of breweries is how well they oh. make a lager oh, yeah. uh, or like if they have like a traditional style like brown ale or whatever just yeah. trying to get something that's not that not everyone makes uh tends to make it a little bit more difficult, honestly. What, what would you consider, like, just a pristine lager? Ooh. I'm trying to think of... I mean, like... The, the real hard tests are on... No, I know. It's... it's No, like I, like, I drink a lot of Modelo. Not that okay. that's, like... That's not, like, the perfect lager uh, by any means, but, like, I drink a lot of Modelo. That's uh, Eric's favorite... Uh, what would you call it, domestic or is it? So, it it's one of them. Yeah it's, yeah, it's how I first got into beer drinking Modelo. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those. It's one of those beers that I uh, that I drink. I, that's almost exclusively like what, what I drink when I'm out. Uh, but I'm trying to think of somebody locally that makes a really good lager. 
Not that I everybody does, but I'm I'm just struggling to think of one right now. My favorite lager, if I can interrupt you, no, go is for the it. new the new one that recently won a couple of international awards from Mad Tree. It's called the Legendary Lager. Legendary Lager. Yep. It's incredible. I I mean yeah, I that's a good one. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, when I I'm in Mad Tree, that's what I drink really a lot how good of. It is. Yeah. Uh, pretentious up in Columbus. Um, does a lot of uh, barrel aged lagers, and those are really good. It's uh, that's a like a style. So is uh, Branch and Bone up in Dayton. Uh, oh yeah, I love Branch and Bone. That's where I go all the time in Dayton. Yeah, but I'm, there's everybody's for the most or most people are for the most part putting out a one or two good loggers a year. And that's not saying that anybody's anybody's perfected the craft for sure, but there's definitely some. Uh, everybody's trying a little bit more, which is giving, which is good because it's a little bit enables everybody to practice a little bit on a style that maybe had been lost a little bit in Cincinnati. So to an unseasoned, um, to an unseasoned professional drinker like myself, what is like, what kind of things do you look for that would be a perfect lager? Probably just like the, the cleanliness of the beer. So if it's super estery, which is like you get your, um, that's like the yeast produce uh, flavors. If it's super estery, that's not a good sign. Um, you can tell like if a beer has been lager long enough, a little bit like diacetyl, which is a buttery flavor. It's a lot harder to clear a beer of diacetyl. Uh, it just takes a little bit longer. Um, carbonation is a big one. Um, if you're force carving in the the bubble if you're pouring it in a glass and the bubbles are huge that's typically not a good sign it means that they didn't they didn't really take their time with with the with the uh carbonation process gotcha. um, it's a uh, it's that's why it's such a it's such a style that is it's important it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of expertise to do well so and when you when you get a good one, it's, and it's you know, noticeable. I've noticed that many breweries around here that maybe not maybe always had a lager, but they're creating a lot of light lagers now. Is yeah. that because people are getting tired of the sweetness, or no? I think it's just those are that's like a it's like everybody's Budweiser. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, if it you, it's easy to. I mean, we have one upstairs. It's called Boring Beer. If it's if it's somebody comes in, ask for your Bud Light or your Budweiser the best the best response is here's our american lager it's going to be the closest that you can get to it okay so recently wcpo had an article on about too many crap breweries a couple weeks ago some say we have too many some say we we are not even close to the threshold where where are you on this and you in cincinnati so my general opinion is like we've we've probably gotten close to the saturation point um, there are a lot a lot of breweries in the area um, there's only so many there's only so many places that can be supported by their local neighborhood I mean we are we are a local neighborhood bar uh, brewery and um, it's if three more breweries open up in a one mile radius it would be it'd be detrimental to us and not to say that like we wouldn't welcome our neighbors but it is definitely one of those things where like this neighborhood doesn't have that many people. If you're looking for people that are exclusively walking here, or taking like a five to ten minute drive, how many how many people can you get to go to one place? And it's and that's not maybe that competition isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it is. You don't want to see a bunch of places open and then close. So my general viewpoint is that um, if 
a slowing of opening is not necessarily a bad thing. And now two of my friends have opened up the most recent breweries that have just opened, Fabled and Wandering Monsters. So, like, I'm not, like, this sounds like I'm, I'm critical of that. That's not what I'm critical of. It's mostly, like, we could, we could do to pull back and maybe take a, take a look at things a little bit more than, like, those guys have been planning that stuff forever. So there's nothing wrong with that. It sounds like you're not knocking, like, the quality of the beer so much as the reality right. that there's only so many right. drinkers to go around. That is true. And there's and it's not, not like Ohio's uh, population is growing by any means. So right. it's not Cincinnati's is, but Ohio's is, as a whole is not. There's only so many shelf spaces. There's only so many taps. There's only so many liquor licenses now it's different for us with the the way liquor, brewery liquor licenses work but you also have to consider like i mean there's a bar right across the street there's pearls down the street from here uh daylily is not a bar but has a liquor license i mean there's places to drink in this neighborhood um not every neighborhood can have a door not every neighborhood can can have a brewery it's just one of those things where you just got to be um cognizant i think uh it wouldn't be a bad thing if we slowed down a little bit and took a look at the, the grand scheme of things. Not everyone needs to open a brewery. You know what I mean? You were talking in Britain how they could have their different brew pubs. Would yeah. it be different if America was like that? You could have your own brew pub? And yeah, so for sure. It's the um, – now, we aren't this. So, like, it's one of those things where, like, I'm kind of – but we also opened seven going on eight years. Uh, the style that – nine giant or high grain occupy where they have uh, a fantastic kitchen and they're also a little bit small well high grain is not smaller but nine giant is smaller uh those guys i mean that's that's if i were to go back in time i think i'd probably try to occupy that space um it's a having an awesome kitchen and making really good beer is like that's the way to go because it's it's definitely like you said it's 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 a proven model that has survived for hundreds of years in, in England. It can definitely work here. So it's we spoke with Crooked, who said pretty much the same thing yeah. that they that they are able to keep people like during dinner hours, Absolutely. which is something that I had never really thought of. I guess mostly because I don't own a brewery. Yeah. But it seems you know so obviously that that's like if you're having people leave because you're unable to serve food. And they they crooked seem to have tested out the um, the food truck and like that's not always not always a win for, for sure. the food truck and for sure. so then there's a little bit of a struggle and 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 like there are other breweries like especially in the Columbus area where you can have them deliver food or you can bring your own yeah. food but but I mean again I think the idea of having a kitchen is pretty vital to the current reputation or not reputation but but maybe expectation yeah. of Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, we, and that's one of the things that we, we've always had a food truck. Um, right now we have Kraft Burger Bros. They'll be here all year. Everybody knows when they're open. It's, it's one of those things that uh, having, setting that expectation and knowing that the, you'll have a food option there is one of those, it enables people to, um, to know that they can go and have food while they're drinking. I think it's, it's important to have that when we, when we had our food truck, which we closed this year. Um, and then that's when we partnered with Kraft Burger Brothers. Uh, it was one of those things where we were, we were, we had it so that we were open and people knew that they could get food and drink from us. Uh, we just, we weren't great at running the food truck. So it, it was easier just to partner with somebody else who knows what they're doing. Um, 
which is why it's kind of funny that I say that I would like to, I would like to have a kitchen. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we don't have our own kitchen, but to have, a but to have yeah, but to have a, yeah, exactly. The partnership is perfect. It's, it's a significant, significantly better way to run everything. Like we handle the beer, they handle the food and, and people can get both the best of both worlds. All right. The sour has been staring at me in yeah, the face go for it. and I love sours. So I would love for you to tell me everything there is to know about it. Yes. Yep, I, that's the first time I've had it since I think I tried it off the tank. Oh my um, gosh! So yeah, it's it our skittle. just like a skittle. Do yep. you like use real skittles in the? We assuming? use real skittles in there. So wow, there's even that aftertaste of eating a skittle. Yep, it's yes. incredible. Yep, it's a <laughs> it's a bunch of skittles, um, bunch of skittles in that beer. How many pounds? Is it a settled amount? No, it's it's like an obscene amount. It's like in the hundreds of pounds. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's. We, I've been wanting to do this beer for a long time. Uh, Southern Grist does a beer called Skit Hill because um, they have they have a series called the Hill Series. That's all their sours. Um, and then I had that beer. I was like, all right, I'm going to try that. And then I just, like, never did. Um, White Oak Marathon approached us about doing a collab. It turned into more of an exclusive. So they had it for five or six days. Uh, it was just us. Streetside and White Oak Marathon had it, and then it kind of went out to, to general distribution. Um, I believe we sold out of that beer in, in cans in five days. Um, now, here's the entrepreneur in me. Can you ask Skittles to, like, brand this? Or is no, that... we should actually probably not be calling it Skittles on oh, okay. there, but it's, uh, it is, it's, it's a rainbow candy, I guess. Rainbow candy. Uh, rainbow but, yeah, candy. It's, it's, that's the... I think we would probably get in trouble for that. Um, we'll we'll is, delete this whole segment. Yeah, there you go. Just, just beep, kidding. Beat me out. Beat me out. Yeah. Uh, company, yeah. 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 And we've right. and we've <laughs> your heard, friends in England. Yeah. <laughs> we've had um, we've gotten cease and desist never for ingredients that we've we've used. So it's uh, hopefully we uh, hopefully we don't get one for this. But it's it's not on it's not on the logo. It's not in the description. Um, and then it's one of those things where if if somebody from Mars Company is listening, it's again, as easy as just changing the name, right? Yeah. Like well, I mean, it was yeah. Skittles, we would right? we would yeah. I would just have to st- I would have to be more specific about not using you that word. Like Rainbow Road or yeah. something. So you guys opened in 2016, right after a quite a big year in 2015. So what was that like coming in, and how did Streetside really come about? So it was yes, it was right after a uh, a boom another boom there was a couple like there were it seemed to happen in waves in cincinnati where like 2015 would be um uh, 2015 very busy 2016 a lot of breweries open but not quite as many um it's one of those things where uh it seems to be a actually it's kind of like a like a generational thing or not a generational thing i guess there's um Man, I had a word for it way back when, when we used to, it was like, you kind of, um, you would brew with someone and then you would branch off. It's almost like a coaching tree thing where you, you learn from somebody and then you go off and you do your own thing. And then the people under you go off and do their own thing. And then they go off and do their own thing. And then you just got this branch, this, this tree of people that you've worked with. Uh, so that's how a lot of breweries, that's how, that's how it tends to be where you see a lot of places open especially a couple of years after um, another place opens. Like if you look at, if you look at um, us, we've had four head brewers. Um, the first one left and went to Sonder when they opened. 
Second one went to Madtree, and now he's, uh, I don't know exactly what his job title is, but he's working at Madtree as a brewer. Uh, and then Luke, or no, excuse me, um, John just left and went and opened Fabled. So that's kind of where you see, like, everybody just, if, if you're a talented brewer and you're, and you're, and you're doing well and you're, and you're writing great recipes at your place, you go and you open your own place. Like Harry Styles did with One Direction. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. I would just like to come up with analogies yeah, for our listeners. Perfect. They need to know these yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are some of the first beers you started making when you started? Was there a set core when you started Street Sun? Uh, we did start with a core, um, and a lot of those beers are actually still on tap um, or have evolved to other beers. We did, uh, what did we do? We did Raspberry Beret, we did, which still is on tap, I think we're brewing. I think we just brewed Batch 30 and 31 maybe. Um, Alpha, which is an IP, which is our like house IPA, uh, started as like a, more of like a Midwest kind of uh, too hard style. And then it's kind of evolved to being more West Coast-ish. Um, that's still, we still have cans of those. I don't know what batch number we are on that. Super Simple was our initial pale ale. That's now GoldenEye. Uh, same rough beer, uh, a little bit simplifi- more simplified, actually, uh, which is interesting because the name has changed from Super Simple to GoldenEye. Uh, but that's, uh, it's just our American pale ale. And then we actually just rebrewed our initial stout robust porter that we made when we opened uh called imp uh, it's only batch number two um so we made it in our first three months and then we made it again seven years later gotcha yeah. gotcha let's do the third beer okay. here hazy pale ale so this is who's a good beer uh this is our charity beer for save the animals foundation and uh great Ohio name for that. alley cat rescue or uh 25 of the proceeds uh, go to split between those two places. Um, we, it's a hazy pale ale with Eldorado, Citra, and maybe one other thing. I can't remember. Uh, I should remember, but, uh, we've been doing it forever. Uh, this is probably, I think this is batch like 17 or 18. Uh, this beer has gotten us a ton of publicity throughout the years. Um, just from people coming in and following up it's it's super popular if you if you look at the cans it has adoptable dogs on adoptable dogs and cats on it oh that's uh, a good idea yeah so we it's it's kind of like our we did it like right before covid um and it's become a super popular beer it's just a it's a nice easy crushable pale ale uh new england pale ale um and it's perfect for summer so we we make a lot of it during the summer it slows down a little bit during the winter and then every spring we have to pick back up and and make a bunch more of it so Gotcha. Cool. Cool. So, what is that? I mean, you sort of said it's been good publicity, but what? It, like, how did that come about? Is so really what I want to know. That wasn't my idea. Um, this was uh, our head brewer before John, uh, who now works at Matcher. He. This was his baby. Uh, he wanted to make. He wanted to make this beer. Um, he had seen somebody else do it, in uh, I feel like maybe in Oklahoma, somewhere out there, whatever, um, and. He was like, we should do this. And I was like, all right, cool. I was like, but I'm not going to do anything with it. I was like, you just got to, you got to contact staff. You got to contact or you need to figure out if we can do the labels. Because if you look at the labels, it's uh, one label has one set. The next has another set. So it's four, four sets of dogs and cats. And then I was like, you need to find out if our label printer can do this and all of that. So uh, 
I kind of just like assigned him. I said, this is, this is your baby, you take it. And then he wanted to do a different style of beer, and I told him it wouldn't sell very well. <laughs> so we did a hazy pale ale because it will sell. Uh, but, yeah, we it's um, super popular, like I said. And, and it's after – it's one of the things I'm, – I'm, I'm glad he did it. It was, uh, it was a, a lot of work on his end, and he did a great job. And um, it's definitely, obviously, like – Staff and staff and or are um, always super grateful whenever we we drop that check, uh, <laughs> yeah, as you I'm as sure. you can imagine. And uh, staff is a staff's a great partner. They do multiple events with us. Actually, they have one coming up, I believe, on August fourteenth. Um, it's our yearly uh, luau. Um, they do a bunch of, I believe, they do a raffle, and then we try to have who's a good beer on. Actually, I should probably make sure that we'll have who's a good beer on for that event. Um, Everyone, they have adoptable, adoptable good dogs here, so it's a big thing. What um, day is that? Or not what day? What, I believe it's the fourteenth. Okay, have to, August fourteenth. I'd have to, I'd have to check my phone. But cool. It's around that weekend. We'll so. link to like if you have Perfect. a have yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, on the website or anything. Yeah, we'll on. put that on yeah, our show notes. For sure. Yeah. I, we can kind of link that with just like the community aspect of this brewery because I know walking in today, Formula One group, it was yeah. it's like a big deal going on. Yeah. Um, just talk a little bit about building this sense of community. I mean, being kind of like this area's bar. For sure. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a, it was like when we opened, that was like what we wanted to be. We wanted to be a community gathering spot, uh, which every brewery does. I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like we were the only ones with that idea. Uh, but when, when we opened, there wasn't really anything down here. Um, this was when, when we bought this, this lot. Uh, not even this building because the building wasn't a building it had a giant hole in it and it collapsed actually while i was in Yikes. in sunderland uh so we 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 bought it we were like hey we're gonna we're gonna redevelop this lot that has been empty for i think it had been like five or six years at that point maybe longer uh we redeveloped it we built it uh and the really the only other thing down here at that time was um uh, was pearls uh was the only other bar uh, local post hadn't opened yet. Uh, a couple, I mean, there was a couple gyms. So we've really tried to, like, as part of uh, us being here, we've tried to uh, do different things to, to uplift the neighborhood, specific, specifically our neighborhood. We do uh, cleanups on the first Tuesday of every month uh, called Tuesday Night Tidy. Uh, we try and make us, as people ride by it with bikes, we try to be as bike-friendly as possible. Uh, we try to support uh, the different, like, biking initiatives, like Lawson Way. Uh, hopefully, I believe it's – oh, there's the guy I was just talking about. Uh, <laughs> he's the – well, when he walks by, we're not going to – don't talk to him. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk. He's, he's very much not antisocial. Uh, but we're – this is Columbia Tusculum, yes, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about, I guess, the transition that you're sort of talking about right now. I mean, it's, it's so nice that right. you're even as you just – as we started with the podcast. Yeah. Several professional athletes are, are starting right. to live here. I've, I know several people who really enjoy living here. Was it always like that, or no, has it, it definitely really talked to us a little when, bit about the comeback? Then, when we were when we were opening, uh, like when the guys were building this building, they had to call nine one one like once a day to have them come and Narcan people. Oh no! Uh, and we Suck. used to see uh, people overdose all over the place. It was a mess. Welcome to and, Ohio. Yeah, and then and now it's it's built up, and obviously it's not entirely. Um, it's not entirely us, but it's we we want to be an anchor for the community, and I believe we've we've uh, we've been able to do that. Um, the uh, 
the neighborhood's definitely come a long way since we opened. Um, bringing more people down here is significant, has been significantly, um, has brought, uh, bringing more people down here is, is, brings more money to the area. And then obviously the, uh, bringing more money to the area means people see this area as like a viable place to invest in. Um, it's kind of like, I mean, if you, if you look at OTR, it's the same thing. The more people that were down there, the more people want to invest in there, the more people saw the, the potential. It's kind of been the same way here. We've done, um, it's just been, it's, it's kind of crazy to see what everything was. I mean, the, the, the listeners can't see, but we're in, we're in the, the alley behind the brewery and the house that's directly in front of me was a, um, was condemned or not condemned, but all but condemned. Um, there was no working water in there. They were using the bathroom at, or the, the basement as their bathroom. Um, and now it's a flipped house with people living there and solar panels and all sorts of stuff. It's I me. Mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. That, that, that house was super, super fucking gross. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's one thing that people lose sight on, on crap most craft breweries at some of the areas you guys go into how much it like changes in yeah, the next 10 years was. absolutely yeah i mean if you like look, i like ours at warped wing and dayton the, yeah. the, that area yes. down there was like a it was dead, it yeah. was dead. Yeah. but now there's now you can't even park there now because there's apartments yeah. on the other side that was a, I mean, that was, that's actually a perfect example of like what what a brewery can bring to a to an area or i mean i don't, you know, I don't even want to just put it on brewery but like a neighborhood hub can uh bring to the to the area um i remember i was at warped wings opening um opening day i showed up actually like three or four hours before they opened um because my my college girlfriend was at dayton i was i was in erie i drove down and she had class and i whatever i was i went and gotta uh, waste time somehow i i did i need may as well do with i need something to do while she was in class so i um I went to Warped Wing. They're like, we're not open for a couple hours, but yeah, it was. It's wild to see like what that what that was, and that was. I mean, that was 2012. Um, yeah, we spoke to we, we spoke to Warped Wing like, like a month ago yeah. or so. It was a really. I phenomenal. mean, that's what Kirk Handel said too when Pickwood invited them. Up, they were like, we want you to anchor this area yep, and make yep. it. Yeah, so I mean, I think it really is important that, that I think neighborhood bars or breweries are really important, and I think we've sort of circled around that fact for, for this sure. entire show. For sure. Well, do we want to talk about the last one? We can yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. the last one. We have time for we have time for the last one. So this is uh, this is actually like a homebrew recipe. Um, this was one of our first recipes. It's changed a ton. If you read the back of the can, um, it, I talk about how how often I've changed this recipe. This beer used to not be quite so bitter. Now it's extremely, well, not extremely bitter, but it's more, more bitter. Um, inspired by a trip to Oregon. Um, yeah, this is this is a beer that we're everyone's super, super, um, not proud of, but like this is a very popular beer among the staff, uh, especially the production crew. Uh, we've we've entered in a bunch of competitions. We hope someday it wins something. Um, we'll see. We enter in GABF this year. Uh, it'd be very nice if we won, but we'll see. I mean, it's always it's always one of those things. Have you guys won any rewards? Yeah, we have. So we just won, uh, or we just took silver at uh, World Beer Cup nice. in, uh, I don't remember what month that was, uh, <laughs> for Black Cats, our English-style brown ale, which is obviously, like, it's my... Um, my recipe that comes from the time, our, my time in England. Um, and then we've won other ones i don't it's it's been 
uh, U.S. Beer Open happens every year around this time. We'll, uh, we've typically meddled there. I don't want to say that we will meddle there this year. It would be really embarrassing if I did say that <laughs> and then didn't meddle. Uh, but that, those, those all actually come out next weekend, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, Fobab, we took, we took silver Fobab a couple years ago. Um, that's it. We've never won a GBF. It'd be, it'd be very nice to win a GBF. We've now... Um, Bobab, U.S. Beer Open, uh, World Beer Cup, and uh, yeah, that's it. Those are the those are the big ones. And if I can, if we could just get that last medal at JBF, I'd be I'd be pretty psyched. Cool. Yeah. Well, again, you've you've created such a great brewery here. We really enjoy it. We love talking to you. Uh, yeah, and I, I like I can thank you enough for taking the time on a Sunday morning. Yeah, all good. Drinking some beers yeah. early in the morning the and then. The yes. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys have been one of my favorites, and I'm, I was so excited to talk to you, and it has been fun. Thank you so sure. much. Thanks, guys. Take Thank you for listening to Blake the Brew Explorer podcast. This podcast was hosted by me, Blake Longfellow, Noah Jones, and Eric Berkshire. This episode was also produced by Noah Jones and edited by Noah Jones and Eric Berkshire. Want to join us on our brewery exploration? Be sure to subscribe to our show and follow me at the Blake the Brewery Explorer on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook. If you would like to be interviewed, please reach out to Noah Jones at nojocreative at gmail.com.